Hi, and welcome to Breast Cancer is Boring. Today's episode comes with a trigger warning, and I know what you're thinking, wow, it's only episode two and we already have a trigger warning? Um, yes. <laughs> we are going to talk about death and dying, and we are even going to talk a little bit about topics that include suicide. So, I know that sounds heavy, but we also are going to laugh a lot. We feel like there's information here that's useful and helpful and maybe can make the fact that we are all going to die a little less scary and maybe a little less lonely. So if you do stick around, great. If not, we'll catch you later. All right? Okay. Enjoy the show. On this episode of Breast Cancer is Boring, let's just take a deep breath together. <sighs> all right. We're all going to die. And I'm, it's so cringy. It's right? so cringy. That is totally the key is to really talk to your loved ones about what you want and what you don't want. Yes. Being dead, I imagine, will be just like it was before I was born. Right. Remember that? No, you don't. Nobody does. So <laughs> where did you get your pants? Then I'm like, well, I don't want to like be in a vase forever. No, I do. Socle blur. That's French, I think. Welcome to Breast Cancer is Boring, a podcast about breast cancer with Jocelyn and Lauren. Whether you have breast cancer or any other kind of cancer or you're just a weirdo who's super <laughs> cancer curious, welcome. We hope you enjoy because breast cancer is boring, but we and you mm -hmm. are interesting. I love it. Dear God, what a sound check. I swear, yes. we need to fire the new intern. She is just not, I mean, Katrina seemed good on paper and, mm -hmm. you know, having her set up the soundboard and like getting, you know, the whole Skype situation like set up, it's just. You would think it was helpful, but. It's not. When it doesn't work, it's no. not. Yeah. I'll, I'll talk Amateur. to her. I'll talk to her. My God. Ugh. It's just like more work for me, you know? Right. But yeah. everybody says, get an intern. You have to have an intern, you know? It's like, ugh. Anyway, on to the show. <laughs> on to the show. Um, let's start with announcements, and then we'll get yes. into what we're talking about. Um, okay. Announcements. Again, welcome, everyone. We're so glad you're here. Take a deep breath. Remember during this episode to just return to your breathing. But let's mm -hmm. do announcements. Announcements are fun. Um, mm -hmm. First announcement, countdown to my chemical freedom, 411 days left. 411 oh, wow. days until my estrogen runs free. And good for it. Look at you. Look at me. Look at you. I, I've almost made it. You're going you're gonna to run through a field of flowers. I am. I am wearing a summer dress and your arms stretched out. I can see it now. <laughs> I can see it now too. Um, mm -hmm. countdown to my going mm -hmm. to Paris, uh, 38 days. I love what 38 days. Okay. So 38 days from when this airs. So not as of today <gasps> where we're recording, but 38 days right. from a week from two days from now. Wow. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Let me tell you. That is really awesome. I'm pretty excited. Something I have started doing is going on YouTube and just like typing mm -hmm. in uh, Barcelona things to do or hidden gems, Barcelona, hidden gems, Paris, because oh we're doing Paris, Marseille, Barcelona. Um, the bulk of our time will be in Barcelona, but if I can't even express the hours and hours I have spent just on the three days we're going to be in Paris. It's like, I can't get my mind past arriving in Paris. Oh, that's so exciting. And I think it's because I just don't believe it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. Um, it is going to happen. Third announcement, very exciting announcement. We, this podcast has been nominated mm. for an award. <gasps> By me. <laughs> oh, okay, 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 that is okay. Excellent. It's it starts excellent. That's for sure. 
Okay, so the Sonic Bloom Awards are run by She Podcasts, which is an Instagram account that we follow. Um, and celebrating, you know, all podcasts that are headed by women, um, whether uh, trans women, um, non-binary, non-gender conforming people. Uh, and they are having their first annual, I believe, awards. And you can nominate a podcast. I nominated ours. <laughs> yes. Um, I nominated us for uh, these three categories. Helping Hand which is like a podcast that gives resources and like talks about things that are helpful to other people. I feel like that's us. I I mean, at least occasionally we're helpful, right? Absolutely. I think. Uh, um, I nominated us for Dynamic Duo. Ooh. Yeah. Because we're, I mean, individually we're kind of the best, but together we're better than the best. True. We're better than the best. We're unstoppable. We're unstoppable. And then I also nominated us for best intro because that is our original music and our original audio, and nobody did that but us. So uh, the awards are announced in July, so we have a little while until we know for sure. But anyway, yeah, we were nominated for an award. So how about that? Um, oh, we have an email, as we mentioned on a previous we episode. Have an email. We have an email. Oh, yes. Breastcancerisboring at gmail.com. And we got an actual email from an actual person who listens to our show and who actually likes it. And I just want to read some of the email. Uh, this is Angelina yes, from the UK. And she says, greetings from the UK. <laughs> and then she says, you fabulous women and this crazy brilliant podcast have kept me sane over the past few years through diagnosis, treatment, and recovery of all the podcasts I listen to each week, of which there are many. This one has made me howl, cry, kept me informed, and importantly, made me feel normal. You bring all the sunshine. So, so pleased season four is back. Keep being amazing, and thank you from the bottom of my heart. Lots of love, Angelina, fellow breast cancer girl, living with a new appreciation of life. I just... Bravo. I mean, <laughs> Angelina, oh. thank you so, so much. That was so awesome. It made my entire day, and it's making my day again now, just like reading it again. So thank you, Angelina, from the UK. Um, yes, thank you. And we got another five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Look, look, people, look, look, listen. When you get emails, when you get praise mm -hmm. in any form that they come, make a mm -hmm. big deal out of it. No one's going to praise you as well, as often, as enthusiastically as you are going to be able to praise yourself. So, like, do it. Nominate yourself for awards. Okay, praise yourself, read emails that are complimentary over and over and over again. Anyway, Mother Hands says, thank you so much, Jocelyn and Lauren, for being so honest about your experience. So many things in my breast cancer journey didn't blindside me because you told me what was really going to happen. You have been a big part of my support system, my support team. Going into mastectomy this week after neoadjuvant chemo, and I've been leaning on you more than you know leading up to that. You also show me that things will get better eventually. You're the best. Aw. Thank you, mother hands. So you're getting your mastectomy this week, which may have been last week or the week before by now. So I don't know. What can we, what can we tell you? Um... The first two weeks after the mastectomy are the worst. After those first two weeks, things get incrementally better. Definitely. Um, I don't know if you got the expanders, but those little bitches are uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But then after yeah. a while, I for me, they got more comfortable. And I think it had to do, I, I learned how to move and how to not move with them. Agreed. If you're choosing to do the expanders and an implant after um just try to remember that the implant after will not look like the expander 
right. So the expander might look really weird and really uneven. Just yes. remember that is not the end result. That's not what your boobs are going to look like. Nope. Not at all. And if people offer to bring you food, take it. If people offer to go get you groceries, take it. Please take it. When people offer, take it because it makes you feel good. It makes you, them feel good. I promise. Like, just take it, even if you don't need it. <laughs> I know you can do things on your yeah. own. I know you're strong enough, mother hands. But, <laughs> like, let other people do those things for you. Okay. Moving on to today's episode again. Let's just take a deep breath together. <sighs> All right. Just remember to come back to your breath during this episode. Um, on today's episode, we're going to talk about how we're all going to die. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Actually, almost, <laughs> that was one of the working titles for this episode, We're All Going to Die. Um, but I thought that was a little dark. So yeah, we're going to talk about death on this episode. So we're going to talk about our own death more specifically. If that is not for you right now, if that is like hashtag too soon or too mm -hmm. much, too fast, too soon, um, steer away. This episode will be here. This episode will live yeah. forever on in the cloud internet space that is uh, will you know be there long after we die. Yeah. So and when you're ready to talk about it or listen about it, click on that link and open us up. Open us up mm -hmm. and we'll talk about it, right? It'll be as timely mm -hmm. then as it is now. Um, so in today's episode, we are going to tackle a few topics. How do we want to die? Okay, we know it's going to mm -hmm. happen. How would we prefer that to look as much as we can control that? What do we want done with our bodies? We're gone. The right. body is just like left behind and people need to know what to do with it, right? What right. do we leave those who have to continue on without us? What? Mm -hmm. What do they need from us after we're gone? And some right. ideas for coping with our inevitable demise. So let's start with the first topic, which is how do we want to die? And to preface this, mm -hmm. I'm going to, we're going to do a little story time uh, with me um, because taking on, and this episode won't be entirely about the uh, anxiety that is ever present in our physical bodies and in our minds that we will die of cancer someday again, um, that a recurrence will take place, that we'll have metastatic disease and we will die from it. Um, but right. I think that's something that anyone with cancer ever, whatever cancer you've had ever in your whole life, no matter yeah. what, to what degree it was, you mm -hmm. carry that with you, the weight of it. Right. Um, and you think about that a lot. And that was specifically something that um, people told us they wanted us to talk about. Um, and I realized that that was also something I needed to talk about here recently when I came home mm -hmm. from work bawling my goddamn eyes out. Um, and just to set the scene, I work in an ED. I work mostly in this emergency department. I work in the trauma bay. People come in all mm -hmm. the time, dying, dead. Uh, I see it. Almost on a daily basis, I see dead people, okay, that we can't undead. We do, mm -hmm. a lot of times we can undead them, but a lot of times we can't. And so death, dying, trauma, this is something that I am exposed to on a near daily basis. And I cope pretty well with it. I, I have coping mechanisms. I talk it out with coworkers. I cry occasionally. Like, it, that happens, and that is fine. This day, I had a patient come in who was having some, I don't want to be very specific. I don't like specifically talking about the patients I've had, but she was having some symptoms that were different for her. She had had a history of breast cancer. We did a scan, and there was cancer everywhere. Everywhere. Mm. Um, it was pretty obvious. She needs to have more specific tests to find out, but it was right. pretty clear that she had metastatic mm. disease everywhere, more than likely of a breast cancer origin because that's what was her history. I right. went about my day. I felt something in that moment when I read the CT scan. Mm -hmm. She was young. Mm -hmm. And I went, I, again, I went on with my day. I felt the initial feeling and I put it aside. And 
as I was walking out to my car, I'm talking to my coworkers, the moment I got in my car and shut the door, it was like the wa- my car started filling with water. And it went all the way up over my head, and it just started suffocating me. And the oh, enti- no. I knew I had to get home quickly, but the entire yeah. drive home, I was bawling my eyes out. I was making noises like and I couldn't stop myself walking down my street from where I parked my car. I was bawling and then I got up and I came in the door. I did have the wherewithal to text my husband. I'm coming home. I'm crying because I I hate doing that to him where I just bust in the door and he's like, oh, hey, how was your and I'm crying. It's a lot for him. (laughs) He's a he's an introvert. He's, you know, has high anxiety baseline. If I just come home crying, it really freaks yeah. him out. But if I let him know, he, then he has a moment to kind of like adjust. So I came in, I'm crying and I could barely get words out. But basically what I told him, and I remember because we laugh about it now, which sounds awful, but in the moment it was awful. And I said, I, I'm going to die and it's going to be of cancer. And yeah, and I just, I guess I had decided that I had seen my future. This woman was me and this was what was going to happen to me. And that's a very, very real possibility. And it's something that you can either choose to ignore and that's fine. And that's, but that's for you to decide, or you Mm -hmm. can meet it head on. And I choose to meet it head on today <laughs> some days I choose to ignore it right but there are things that we can do and also moments where you're overwhelmed with emotion and you feel certain mm. that you will die and you will die of cancer are normal and they happen to all of us yeah right definitely I think yes I think it feels like um sort of the inevitable mm. Yeah. Like say you're going to a doctor for some completely other reason, mm-hmm. like, you know, getting your eyes checked to see if you need to wear glasses or whatever. And then you give them your cancer history. And then suddenly they're like, we should probably take another look at this. Yep. Or maybe that right we should there. add this. We should add this test to that. Or you know what? Yes. Instead of seeing you yearly, I want to see you every six months. Exactly. The, it, it changes. Mm-hmm. When a new provider learns for the for the first time that you've had a breast cancer history, especially I feel like when you're young. Yeah. It it's like it the room changes. Yeah. The energy in the I'm room. I'm going changes. to a, an endocrinologist. Yeah. Or a spot on my lymph node. And whenever she's like, oh, well, it's small. And, you know, we don't really do any testing on anything that small at this point. She goes, but there it comes yep. due to your medical history. Yes. And I'm, it's so cringy. It's right? so cringy. It's the same old feeling we brought up again. And we could talk about that. Actually, let's just do a whole episode about that because that's normal and it's fucked up. And today we're just going to talk about what we're going to do to prepare for that eventuality. Hope for the best, prepare for the worst, right? Right. Okay. So Mm -hmm. considering we are going to die, how do we want to do it? And what I mean by this is cancer as quickly as it can kill you sometimes it takes its sweet time and there are certain things certain treatment options that I'm willing to do and there are some that I am not and the ones that I am not willing to do are usually going to come at a time where I'm not able to make my own decisions right and so what's important to know and to set up now is your advanced directives who is your MPOA and all medical also, power of attorney? Medical power of attorney. Thank you, Lauren. And do you want to set up a living will? I do not understand the ins and outs and differences between a living will and advanced directives personally. Um, 
but I know that you can set up an appointment with your physician to go over all those things. Also, um, a financial power of attorney is very important. Oh, talk more about that because I don't have a good idea about that. Yeah. So just so those of you who don't know, a medical power of attorney is only activated when the patient is no longer able to make medical decisions for themselves. Right. And they are deemed medically unable to make a decision for themselves. And that actually leads to a lot of things because once a physician does that, a lot of times it freezes their assets. Right. So, so if that is done by a physician and it is sent to the state, sometimes the government will freeze assets. So you have to have a financial mm. power of attorney in place as well. I did not know that. I had no idea. Mm. Also, on that subject, advanced directives are a written expression of what you want your end-of-life care to look like. A medical right. power of attorney is an individual that you designate to make medical decisions for you in real time when you are incapacitated in the hospital usually or at home under hospice care also. It's mm -hmm. really, really important to understand that your advanced directives don't mean shit if your MPOA makes a different decision for you. Right. They can override your advanced directives in a second. And that is because right. a dead person doesn't sue the hospital, but a live person does. <laughs> That's all I can figure out why. Because I have had patients in the ICU countless times that have very clearly laid out that they are do not resuscitate, do not intubate, do not bring me back to life when I die. And that mother, father, spouse, brother just decides, nope, you're going to do everything. And you're going to keep them alive for months on a ventilator. Oof. And it's rough. And it's rough for everyone. It's rough for the healthcare team. It's rough for the individual who's dying, certainly, although we try to medicate them to a point where it's not so rough. And it's rough on the family because if they're finding out for the first time that this was the advanced directive of their loved one and there was no conversation that took place there, that is really hard for them to accept. You're right. That is totally the key is to really talk to your loved ones about what you want and what you don't want. Yes. And this is not just I one conversation. No, this is not just one yeah. conversation. This is multiple, multiple conversations. Now, because I'm a nurse, I probably talk about it too much with my spouse, but I have told him time and time and time again, you better not keep, you better not trach and peg me and put me in a managed care home. You mm -mm. better not do that to me. We'll be watching a show where like, I'll be like, don't do that to me. I don't want to live like that. I don't like we have this conversation multiple times and in more detail and on a serious note and, you know, in a way that kind of makes it more uh, palatable for him. It's usually when we go take walks, right. unfortunately. That's, you know, that's a great time to talk to your loved ones when you're mm -hmm. taking walks, when you're driving. Yeah. A lot of times when you're not face to face makes it makes conversations like this actually easier it's, to have it's hard these conversations are hard they're awkward we we don't have a culture that we almost don't have a culture that accepts death it's right. it's so interesting to me and again i think because i'm a nurse and maybe for you lauren because you work in a hospital that we're around it we see it it's like just things that are happening and for years i've just been kind of used to it. And I know it's different when it happens to your own family members and to you personally, but it's just such a known. It's an inevitability. And it's interesting to me that we don't talk about it. Um, have you ever seen that movie, uh, Children of Men? No. Um, I've seen it many years ago, but in Children of Men, there's this pharmaceutical product uh, called Quietem. I think it's called Quietem. And you can buy it at the drugstore. In my in my memory of this movie, you can buy it at the drugstore. And it's like a box. And I think it's this older couple or this older person buys it. And they open the box and there's a glass. 
and a pill. And it's essentially, it's a kit to end your life. Oh my gosh. Yes. I know that that sounds so awful. And I know that this is such a, a triggering and touchy subject, but follow me on this as an ER nurse, as someone who has seen so many traumatic deaths now more than ever, I feel this like this strong, strong will to exactly what, exactly what you said, Lauren, choose the manner in which I want to die because so much of that control is taken away from you with cancer. Yeah. And it is odd to me. I'm just going to speak for myself. I would want something like that available to me. And I think in the movie, in my memory of in the movie, they just kind of fill the glass with water. They go out, I think, onto the porch or something. Maybe it's like on a lake or somewhere in nature, and they just sit down and they take their pill and they just relax. And that manner of death, that like calm, quiet, slipping away, is so much more attractive to me <laughs> than mm-hmm. all the ways I've seen people die right under my hands, right, right in front of me. And there's that it is so much, there's so much more nuance that I'm putting into it right now. And there's so much more of a conversation to be had around that, but there's something to that as well. Right. Being able right. to choose the manner of your death, being able to die with dignity having that control back because I think the primary thing that I'm scared of in death is the manner of the death, how it will Mm -hmm. feel to me at the time. I'm not afraid of being dead. Being dead, I imagine will be just like it was before I was born. Right. Remember that? No, you don't. Nobody does. So I don't think anything happens after you die. I think it's just how it was before, you know? So that doesn't scare me. It's it's the manner of death that scares me. That makes sense. And that's all. I, I'm not, that's all. That, that's the end of the thought. I don't have any solutions here. Um, moving on from that, uh, we will link in the show notes. There is a general information page that the Mayo Clinic has on advanced directives and MPOAs. Um, and we will link that if you want to kind of get started at looking at that, but your best course of action will be to schedule an appointment with your doctor and, uh, let them know that you want to set up advanced directives and does it and talk about designating an MPOA and they can help you with that. Um, The second topic we wanted to talk about, what do we want done with our bodies? For me, this is more Mm. exciting because I'm already dead. So (laughs) this isn't the hard part at all. Like, here's here's the thing for me. Cemeteries are bad. They're bad for the environment. Um, We're running out of space. I don't like, I do not want to be buried in the ground. And anyone pretty much who knows me, and especially my husband knows, I do not want this. It's expensive. It's arbitrary. I don't need people coming to visit my corpse. I don't need that. Um, There are lots of other options for what to do with your body that are actually good for the environment and promote science. So here are my top options that I'm looking at. Number one option, hands down, donating my body to science. I am a woman who got breast cancer at 36 years old with no genetic markers. How the fuck did that happen? I don't know. (laughs) But maybe studying my body after I die will help someone figure it out. Even if it's just like a bunch of med students poking around figuring out what the body looks like. When I was in high school, in my A&P class, we had the opportunity to go to a medical examiner's office. And we got the opportunity to... Um, learn on a cadaver an individual who donated their body after death. And that was so compelling for me. That was so interesting. I just knew in that moment, I feel like I knew. 
it was a it was an amazing moment. There was great respect in the room for this person, this body that had been a person, and had now passed. And uh, even even if that's all it is, is a high school class looking at my body for the purposes of learning. Even if half of them are little shitheads, I don't care. That I want that. <laughs> Second option, if my, if science is like, we don't need your body, honey, it's not that great. Um, <laughs> cremation is a great option. Just burn me up yeah. and like put me in the garden. Speaking of gardens, mulching. Great mm. option. Um, I will link in the show notes. There's an article about this. It's amazing. Um, and it's these facilities that are popping up around the country. There's one in Oregon that I read about. And it's human body composting. Um, they oh. take care of your body. They they have a little uh, service there at the uh, building. I don't know where they do this. I think it takes about three months. And then they hand over basically what is mulch. And you can put it in your garden and it feeds your plants. Whoa. And I think that's just like a beautiful way to honor someone's physical body after they're gone. Right. And then the last is a burial at sea, which Mm. I will go into later why this is like my, my number one option uh, because of how I want to spend my last days, but we'll get into that. Anyway, what do you want done with your body after you exit it? Uh, Cremation. Cremation. Um, I, yeah, I just, yeah. Yeah. I have such a hard time in that. Imagining um, being buried. Look, it's just not a thing for me. I right. think they flush your body with chemicals. They they wash yeah. your body in chemicals so that you don't decompose like a normal body. Right. And then they right. put you in the ground for what? In a casket that they have right. to make at factories. They take up all this space that could be housing. It could be a beautiful park. It could be. You know what I mean? Like green space. It could be a community garden. Why are we doing this? Yeah. So I have some thoughts, though, about cremation. Yeah. And uh, so I didn't think about this before, but I used to think, oh, okay, like cremation, that's that's awesome. And then, then I'm like, well, I don't want to like be in a vase forever. No, I do <laughs> And not I don't either. want my family members to think that they like – have to hold on to this so every time they move they have to like put it in a cardboard box and store it and and the vase costs the urn costs like a shit ton of money right so i think i think that would be really stressful because like what if it broke and then they'd be like oh you know just like grandma right i have an amazing idea this is just coming to me now all right if 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 it comes down to cremation if science will not accept our bodies because they're too amazing and it comes down to cremation. Mm-hmm. I think what we should do is instruct our loved ones to take our ashes to places that, like, they want to go anyway. Or, like, places we want them to go anyway. So, like, to my greatest friend and and podcaster, Lauren, take a portion of my ashes to Paris, France. <laughs> Dump them in the first trash can you find in the airport and spend a week... <laughs> In my honor, having, you must have a croissant every day. You must drink wine every evening. And by evening, I mean any time after 10 a.m. And you must dance a couple of times at least. And you must, um, I don't know, uh, buy a red lipstick. And uh, you must (laughs) get a boat ride by a handsome, muscly man. Like, I don't know. And then to my husband, take my ashes to a cabin in Montana in the spring in an isolated area. Dump them in the first trash can you find at the airport. Spend a week by a lake fishing and being in the quiet of your own mind. And, like, I just want my death to be a gift to others. Yeah. I. That's funny. I've I've always felt the same way. I actually, for the longest time, told my family that I wanted them to take my ashes to um, the most beautiful tropical waters that they could possibly find. Yeah. 
and then spend, you know, a week there on vacation and enjoy that time. That's it. That's it right there. What do we leave those who have to carry on without us? Because we're going to die and people will be left behind because I'm certainly not going to be the last person I know to die. So, uh, and there's a very real possibility that my husband will outlive me because of the whole cancer diagnosis thing, which never used to be the case. He's 12 years older than me. I was sure he would die first. And I was planning for that. You know, I was going to go into my cougar era. I was going to keep this body fit and tight. And I was going to like, you know, wear pattern on pattern on pattern on faux fur um, on silk. And I don't know if I'll ever get there at this point because I may die before him, but I am planning for that. And I can tell you there are three top things that I intend to leave my husband, who I love very much. Money, like cold, hard cash money. A booklet of passwords. The password to everything that man has no idea how to access our credit cards. He has no idea how to access our car payment. He has no idea how to access our banks. Like Mm -hmm. nothing. He doesn't know anything. So I have a booklet that I am working on, like physically writing down logins and passwords to everything. Um, and instructions, written instructions, uh, that he is to find a hot, rich second or third spouse, depending on, you know, whatever happens. So, yeah. I think it's really important. Leave them money, leave them all the passwords to all the shit and all the keys to all the stuff, and make sure that they understand that you are 100% in favor of them getting some for the rest of their life. Okay? <laughs> Yeah. Hop on Tinder. Right. Be a hoe. Like, get it. You know what I mean? Like, don't let my death keep you back. So, right. uh, you know what I think I'm going to do? And I've just realized this now. I think this, I think there needs to be a PowerPoint. Okay. I think I need to leave a PowerPoint presentation entitled Play After I Die. And just like step by step, here's what to do with I my body. How organized here's you where are. to find the passwords. Here's where I Ugh. want you to take a vacation. This is coming from a lady with no children. It <sighs> is. It is. But I'll tell you one thing. I will make, okay, here's what I promise you. I will make the PowerPoint presentation. I will send it to you. And all you have to do is substitute your own information. The template will already be there. I love it. Mm. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about um, remarrying. Uh, not that I have any issue with him remarrying, yeah. but just from personal experience mm. of my parents um, divorcing and oh. one remarrying, and then the whole yeah uh, thing. Yeah. So um, I but, see why you would be and, a little. And maybe. Yeah, not into I mean, it. you know, actually, if he. If he had um, all of his end of life stuff together, he can remarry if he wants, as long as you know, as he makes sure that your he's children got all are not his... saddled with the burden of dealing with his new wife after he dies. <laughs> got it, girl. <laughs> that is exactly That's what a I'm saying. Very reasonable. A very mm-hmm. reasonable. Um, I have no issue if you yeah, remarry. That's that a reasonable is, stipulation. I, mean, I will be dead. Yeah, exactly. I will be dead. So right. I'm not really. But you're not about to make me. your children's life harder. <sighs> so. No. I do that's not a good want thought. them to have to deal with that. Yep. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Too late to not have children, which would be my number one recommendation for anyone in life. Uh, for end of life planning. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of life. Don't have kids. Right. Uh, they're really makes, complicated. Yeah, I was just gonna say it's it makes things very complicated. Mm-hmm. Even even after I die, crazy, crazy. Um, mm-hmm. but thank God you won't be around to have to worry about it. Mm-mm. Lastly, Mm-mm. the last subject to tackle: some ideas for coping with our inevitable demise. And for me, this is the fun part. <laughs> Oh, okay. Deciding what to do with my body after death is a fun part, but this is the most fun part. So here's the deal. Mm-hmm. I heard this once 
and I don't remember who originally said it. I'm sure it's only a Google click away to figure this out. And I don't remember okay. the first time I heard it, but I've carried it with me the entire time thereafter. And that is this statement. The point of life is that we die. Hmm. The meaning of life is that we die. That's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. It's the whole reason. So knowing that, accepting that we are going to die, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? What do you want to see? What haircuts haven't you tried? What pants have you always wanted to pull off? Okay. I recently on eBay. Okay. Let's story time. All right. 11 years ago, fully 11 years ago, when I had just moved to Austin, Texas, and I was sitting outside at the Swedish Hill Bakery, which is now a very, like, posh Instagram-y place, but used to be a little mom-and-pop awesome place where you could get miniature ham sandwiches with your breakfast uh, coffee. I was sitting outside, and this woman, this fully formed, self-actualized woman was walking across the street from me in these pants that I can only describe as extreme drop crotch harem pants. And I was so, and she had a tank top on, a fitted tank top on the top, and her hair was up in like a bun at the base of her skull, and she had um, like chunky wooden heels on like maybe Swedish has-beens or something. The whole effect of it was so amazing. I yelled across the street, you look amazing. And she said, thank you. And I said, where did you get your pants? And she said, Nordstrom, they're Eileen Fisher. (laughs) And I was like, they're amazing. She's like, I love them. And she keeps walking. I immediately physically went to Nordstrom's. They didn't have them. I got online because I was newer to like the online shopping thing. This was kind of like, this was probably the catalyst to my entire being, which is all online shopping now. I I searched for these pants. They were nowhere. They were sold out. They were like two seasons ago. So yeah, off and on for years and years and years after that, I would get online because I was like, someone's reselling them. I would get on Vestiaire Collective. I would get on Bpop. I would get on The Real Real. I would get on eBay. I would look in all these places and I could not find these pants. Mm -hmm. One time I found Mm -hmm. them, but they were an extra large. And I thought, even with tailoring, I don't think it's going to work. So I've been looking and looking and looking and looking. And the other day I was having coffee. The other day meaning... Two months ago, fully two months ago, I was having coffee and I was talking to my friend and then I was describing to my friend and I was like, you know what? Let me pull up a picture of the Eileen Fisher ones and I'll show you. I pulled up a picture Uh and it was like, oh, someone's selling these on eBay. And I was like, no, it always (gasps) says that. It always says that. And I click on the link and it's never true. I clicked on the link. They were actually selling them. They were selling them in my size. I was like, holy fuck. So I bought them? them. I bought them, and I cried, and I was like, "I'm getting scammed. They will never show up. I've been through this before. They don't exist anymore. They they're a phantom. They're they're elusive. They're not. They, you know, they are arrived to my home. I have them. Oh my god! I have them. They're like right behind me in this drawer. I don't remember how we got here. <laughs> oh right, before you die, buy the Eileen harem, the Eileen Fisher." Extreme drop crotch harem pants of your dreams. Okay, look, do, do it, do it. Re reevaluate your life, people. You're okay, gonna die. Have... Do you know you're gonna die? Yeah. So, so like, is this the way you want to live? Mm-hmm. Not without those Eileen Fisher harem drop crotch pants. I didn't want to live without them, and that's yeah. a small thing, right? Mm-hmm. The bigger thing is, I quit my job. Without another job lined up. And I moved states. And I'm now doing a job that I love. Like, I seriously yeah. love my job. I, and the reason I love my job is because I can be fully myself at my job. Yeah. I can important. be fully myself at my job. And like, I realize that is really key for me to, to be happy. 
right. in a That's job so for as long as we are required to earn our money through labor. Right. Which someday, hopefully, will not be the case, but I don't know. Humans are the only ones that have to pay to live on this planet. Thank you. Mm. Whoa. I know. Lauren dropping the hard truths. Mm. Boy, am I glad I poured myself a drink for this one. <laughs> uh, plan for your greatest fear. So throughout chemo and radiation and stuff, I always tied like chemo days or milestones like end of radiation with a reward so that they were less scary to me. I always mm. like bought myself a little thing. I knew after I got chemo, I, cause those were the days I felt the best because it was the farthest from my last chemo that I was. Yeah. I always got like a special coffee on my way. And then I also, I always went to Sephora afterwards or target or like, you know, something. And I bought myself a little thing. Yeah. Um, I think you can do that with death. I think you can do that with the idea of death. So if my greatest fear is being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, mm-hmm. and it is, then what reward am I going to tie to that? So I've decided if I get oh cancer again... <laughs> Uh it's hard it's hard to think about but the more I feel like the more I do acknowledge it the less power it has over me okay the more I think about my own it's not even thinking about my death that's not what gets me it's thinking about that moment where someone sits me down and I know before they say it Mm -hmm. and then they do say it and they say your breast cancer is back and it's everywhere. It, right. That moment's what scares me the most. So what am I going to tie to that moment to make it just slightly, slightly less terrifying and to put a little more control into my hands? And I've decided I'm going to move out of this fucking country. <laughs> I'll probably okay. go to New Zealand uh, they have free healthcare there, and they have a program that like helps uh, registered nurses move over and and move their uh, license over and get a job there. Um, oh. Even though once I get there, I'm not going to work. <laughs> Fuck that. Uh, and um, I think I'll not work. I'll live um, in some secluded, beautiful area, and I will write the darkest, most like disturbing, great. American novel of our time. Wow. Yeah. 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 And uh, when it gets to my last days, like, I know I'm going to die. I think my plan is to, like, get on a cruise ship and just, like, never get off. This is a real thing, by the way. I heard about this. Apparently, there's an article about it floating around. I couldn't find it, but maybe someone out there can. Older people who are near the end of their life and they know it, are taking eternal cruises. Whoa. They're just getting on a cruise ship and they just keep re-upping the cruise and they just stay on there until they die. And that is why it will be the easiest to bury me at sea. Dump my body overboard. Well, do would a cruise liner do that? Listen, you don't ask oh. for permission. You just send the body over. What are they going to do? Not gonna go get me. I don't want anyone to go to jail, but like, if you don't find the body, there's no crime. (laughs) This is this is bad advice, but basically, can you arrange a burial at sea, please? If I die, I just want the captain there. I want a little salute. You don't even have to put me in a body bag, but I think it would be like a burlap sack, rope on each end, very Count of Monte Cristo. Dump me over, let me Mm. fall to the bottom of the fucking ocean, and whatever lives down there can just use me for fuel. Okay. I like that. I also like the idea of spending my last days in an isolated cabin, like on one of those, like, cliffs that you only see in, like, British uh, movies and TV shows. And there's, like, the sea 
also like I want that whole vibe. Okay. And and again, you can just dump me over the part of the cliff where it like plummets down into like a, a deep depth, you know, where they always shove the bodies. I want that. Okay. Okay. I've seen like like photographs of Ireland. Mm-hmm. I believe they have they have a great idea as such. Yes. Now mm-hmm. I would Beautiful. have to be there when I die. So that that's the thing. That's right. why you have to plan for this. Yes. You know? Right. That's yes. also maybe some great advice. Like when you're thinking, am I happy where I'm living now? Maybe mm-hmm. sit, think to yourself, do I want to die here? Mm. I don't think I want to die here where I am now. No. Ugh, that's okay. a lot to think about, actually. Mm. Maybe I won't come back from Paris. <laughs> Why did I book that return <gasps> flight? Hey. Oh, my gosh. You're living longer than that. Uh, maybe. You never know. You are. Look, no, I know. Half of being in the right place at the right time is just finding the right place and staying there. Mm. Think about that. You want to move to Paris? Fuck yeah. Oh, you do? Okay. Oh my God. Why wouldn't you? It's beautiful. The people are beautiful. Mm-hmm. The food is amazing. Um, the healthcare is free. Well, who doesn't want to live in Paris? Oh, I, I don't speak. They have a Sephora now. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> like what's missing? That was it then. Sacre bleu. <laughs> That's French, I think. Anyway, what what do you want your last days to look like? Oh my! Just some light oh. conversation. <laughs> yeah, I I don't I don't have a specific. But I just definitely would want it to be peaceful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. Well, in conclusion, <laughs> uh, death, it comes for us all. You can't escape it. Life is pain. Uh, and uh, <laughs> live while you can. <laughs> Leave us a five-star review on uh, Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram. Give us an email, breastcancerisboring at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. We love you. We love you. Bye. We're sorry. Oh.